Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Podcast. My name is Louis Cameron, and I'm here with Kane Richardson, the Australian fast bowler, ahead of the five-match Detol Australia versus Sri Lanka T20 series, starting from this Friday in Sydney. Kane, you've just arrived in Sydney, but you've taken an interesting route to get there, mate. Yeah, we got it. Well, when we got told about the pre-series protocols, there was an option of flying in charter. Uh, sorry, commercial. So. Basically, with the public, which is always a COVID risk, or they threw it out there that if you want to drive, you can come a few days later and not have to isolate and bridge in. So, being within a suitable distance of Sydney, I thought I'd take the driving option and having Zamps on the way on the commute definitely helped. So, it's not something I would have liked to have done on my own. But, um, yeah, it's this weird, this weird COVID thing. It was really strange today when we're in the car driving here, just thinking we're on our way to an international series. But I guess everything in the last couple of years has been a little bit weird. So um, it's very English, very county cricket kind of set up, driving to the game, driving to the ground. But um, yeah, we had a good chat. It was about eight hours and we're here now. Yeah, well, not quite county cricket because I imagine you'd be, you'd have to be playing in Scotland uh, and then just about end up in Hampshire for, for a drive like that. Who is Who did the bulk of the driving? Who was in charge of the tunes? How did it kind of go down? Um, it was probably half-half in terms of, driving shifts and we split it up you know the two-hour rule we we adhered to the two-hour rule which is important um we didn't have any quality podcasts like the unplayable podcast to listen to so a little bit of radio zamps is on his phone um talking on his phone for a little bit i think he's looking for a bat sponsor so he was talking to his manager for a bit um and then yeah he played some music and then we were pretty much uh triple j the whole way because there's not much else that covers australia wide so a little bit of talking a little bit of catch up but apart from that it uh it went pretty quick good plug for the unplayable podcast on there uh, i enjoyed that you could have listened through some of the back catalog i know you're a favorite of sam ferris the the former host of this podcast yeah it's i haven't i haven't caught up on the new stuff lou so maybe uh now i'm in the uh in the cricket bubble in the next two weeks i'll uh, i'll get onto it You'll have to immerse yourself for sure. Now, it's going to be news to some people uh, about where you started your drive from. Uh, I believe you started on the Gold Coast where you now live. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, I mean, my wife's family, she's originally from that part of the world. So um, it was probably during the T20 World Cup that we decided that we we're going to move. And it, it, it had always been on kind of the agenda to do at some point. But since having a kid, running around we felt that now was the right time um to be around more family support especially for her when i'm away so we uh jumped on realestate.com and had a look for uh basically what's out there and bought a house and um yeah have settled in the past couple of weeks so pretty good place to call home it's definitely different to adelaide which is what i'm used to but um something we're really excited about moving forward and um as i said the the lifestyle away from cricket in terms of support trying to raise a kid is um has been the main motivator behind it. And my little mate Zamps is about an hour away up the road, so that always helps as well. Very good, very good. And, and that is a change, I suppose. There's going to be some uh, some Redback supporters who are going to be um, wondering what this means for you, for you Kane. 
Yeah, well, it's, it was a tough one, obviously, in that um, scenario. I haven't worked out how cricket looks or works into it. Um, and that's why it was purely a lifestyle and a life decision. It wasn't a cricket decision. So um, ideally, I'd, I would have stayed in Adelaide for the rest of my life. But when you marry someone who's from somewhere else in Australia, sometimes that, that pops up. So I'll work through that in the next couple of months with um, with them. But to be honest, I've played two Redbacks games in the past two years, so I haven't really been around a whole lot. And, um, you know, they've got some young and exciting players coming through now. So, yeah, we'll kind of have that conversation in the next couple of months. Yeah, it is a good point. And you are, I guess, at an interesting point in your career and, and just having a look back through um, the games you, you've played and, and I guess the games you haven't played as well over the last, you know, maybe two to three years. Do you feel like you, you're in a new stage of your career um, when it comes to considering state cricket, um, overseas, T20 cricket, playing for Australia? How, how do you all, I guess, how do you balance all that out in your mind? Yeah, it was definitely something I thought about uh, leading into the move but I think um, as I said especially since COVID started I've only played two games with being away for Australia so much but being in bubbles and um, having to leave earlier or, or you know those kind of things it's definitely um, taken away playing state cricket as much um, looking forward the the priority is always going to be playing for Australia so that's going to be what I'm going to try to do but if it comes out of that then I've got a decision to make but I still want to play you know, not just T20 cricket. I want to play one day cricket for Australia for as long as I can or, or be pushing to do that anyway um, until I, I can't anymore or I get told I can't. So um, that's where I mean the conversation with South Australia is going to come into it because if there's an opportunity to continue playing one day cricket for them, um, then I want to do that. So, yeah, we'll see where that, that goes to. But, yeah, I'm not, not saying I want to be a T20 only player because I think that's a pretty tough life, especially at the moment, the way COVID's kind of around the world it's not really ideal to be away from home for that long so um yeah i'll work those those things out in in the next few months right so you, you haven't just tried on the um the maroon of uh, of queensland just to see what it looks like on you just yet then <laughs> i couldn't imagine that but um yeah i haven't i haven't spoken to queensland either it's the gold coast it's not brisbane so um unless the gold coast team pops up in the next couple of weeks maybe we'll look at that but otherwise um yeah we'll, we'll sort the rest out very good, very good, mate. Now I've got to ask you, I guess, about the um, the talk of the, the the cricket world, especially in Australia, has been uh, Justin Langer being offered a, a six month extension, I believe, and and then he, he didn't take it and has um, has hung up the boots from from the Aussie job. I guess, what have you made of the last few weeks? And um, yeah, just just give us your thoughts on on your journey with um, with Justin Langer. Yeah, it was a weird time. I mean, last week I was driving from Adelaide to the Gold Coast over the course of that, of kind of when it was going down. So I was very out of the loop. Um, I didn't have phone service for a lot of it and I wasn't listening to the radio. So I kind of, um, when I did hear, it was, I didn't even know that it was that time. But it had obviously been spoken about for a while in the news that um, they were meeting and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's not something I was even thinking about or contemplating. Um, so when it happened, I guess you, the first thing is you're always surprised because I mean, for four years, he's been our coach. So um, yeah, that kind of, that shock factor that it's, that it's happened. And then I guess you kind of reflect on the moments you've had with a coach. And I've been through a few at kind of South Australia and over the, even at the Renegades for the past two or three years, we've had different coaches. So you do reflect back on each coach that's moved on and, um, think about how you were with them, how your relationship was, what they did well, what you thought they did well and, and vice versa. So he obviously took over at a really tough time. That's been well documented and, and did a great job. But um, 
I think every decision, uh, sorry, every coach is always, you know, closer to, to another one coming over. That's just the way it goes. It's the same with players. We get turn, turned over so much. So um, he obviously did a great job. And I, I think everyone who's come out and supported him um, is testament to that. So we'll move on. Everyone will move on. And um, I think the great thing is as players, we're in a really good space off the back of, we've had so much success success in the past couple of months and a lot of that has come off the back of you know us kind of bandying together and mm-hmm. and really working together and I don't think I've seen especially in the white ball team that's all I can speak for but I don't think I've seen a closer group that want each other to succeed amongst team success as much as I have in the past you know four or five months so um, yeah I think as players we're in a really good space moving forward and whoever takes over is going to be in a really good position. Yeah, and that's really well said, Kane. And I'm I'm interested as well. Um, speaking about the white ball uh, side of things, the 2019 World Cup. I reckon people have kind of forgotten a little bit about this. I mean, that one day team um, kind of went in, and, and you guys are under the pump, right? Like you're under a lot of pressure, and your you, your one day record hadn't been great. You know, he must have um, played some part, I, I suppose, in. Um, in helping that team make the semi-final and lose to England, who, who are obviously a pretty good team at the time. But but just let us know what what he was like as a, as a white ball coach, both both in that campaign and then uh, the more recent T Twenty World Cup. I think when reflecting back, he he adapted. I mean, that team, that first tour we went on in twenty eighteen after um, when he took over uh, was the hardest tour we went on. We got five nailed, but in terms of how he worked us, I mean, he was obviously coming in with a blueprint to turn things around and. I mean, he did that over the course of four years, but that first tour, I mean, he was incredibly hard on us. Um, we trained harder than we ever had. I remember we went to Zimbabwe straight off that series and we'd play a game and literally be straight to the nets after um, to continue working on things that we're trying to get better at. So that was kind of the eye opening and talking to the WA guys, he was very similar with them um, when he was at WA. So I think he evolved over the four years from from that to then well, yeah, the t- 2019 World Cup, no doubt we're under pressure, but nothing in comparison to this last T20 World Cup where no one gave us a chance. So, And and the evolution of JL where he threw it onto the players, threw it onto some of the, some of the other coaches and um, we kind of had to, um, I guess, back each other in in terms of what we did on field. And I think when you talk about pressure, no one's under more pressure in those situations than the players because at the end of the day, they're the ones out there um, than doing it and someone like Aaron Finch who was under the pump probably more than anyone in in world cricket going into that T20 World Cup so for him to turn around as captain I think was a massive part of that he took on a lot of ownership and really bandied the team together as I've already said but yeah I think the last four years we've seen an evolution of JL and um, and the results off the back of that um, would show that the way he adapted uh, the team kind of bought in and gelled alongside that. And, and then now looking towards Andrew McDonald, I suppose, who's going to take over the, the coaching reins for this series against Sri Lanka. He's also going to take the reins for the, the Pakistan tour. You've played under him, you know, both at national level, but also with the Renegades. Give us a bit of an insight into, um, you know, when, when JL took over, people listening to this podcast, they would have known exactly what he was about. They probably don't know um, Andrew as well, do they? No, I think, well, no, not unless you're a Victorian or, or Renegades kind of fan and um, would have paid attention to kind of his teams when he was at that, uh, in those places. He's very, he's obviously very different in terms of um, the way he, uh, the way he communicates, the way he talks about cricket. I think the way he played his cricket is very different. Ronnie wasn't intense. He wasn't, 
he was competitive, but he played in a really good Victorian team where he kind of just was, um, he was always at you with the ball, but he was like an all-rounder. So he always had two butts of the cherry, but he was just this calm, relaxed. Um, he was captain for a while, good thinker of the game, but just was always someone you could easily speak cricket with. And um, I had one year with Andrew at South Australia when his career was finishing. Um, and that's where I kind of got an insight into how we worked. And, he was just one of those guys who broke the game down really simply and communicates it really well. So um, when he became Renegades coach and I became out of contract, I knew I wanted to play for him because I felt like first of all, I'd get better, but also he knows so much about the game, but he communicates in a way that you can understand. Um, I think he's just a next gen coach in terms of the way he goes about it. It's very forward thinking, easy communication. Players love him. Not that that always matters, but I think it helps when, um, when, when people are listening and, and buying in, I think that's that's half the battle as a coach. So um, I don't know if he wants the job full-time, but I'm sure he'd do a really good job if it, if it was him. And then you, you signed the long-term contract with the Renegades and you only got a year out of him. Is that right? I think I got two. So we won it and then he left the greener pastures, he would say. But it, I was actually shocked when I, when I saw that, that he signed. I, was, I called him a dog because <laughs> I kind of did sign um, to play under him and we had such a good first two years. And, since he's left, I'm going to put that down to him as well because um, <laughs> we finished down the bottom. But yeah, I think it's always a testament when every single change room he's gone into, everyone has loved him straight away. So you're doing something right um, when you're like that. And as I said, not every coach is like that. Not every coach needs to be like that, but there's something unique in his emotional intelligence, the way he communicates, um, how he gets his message across, how he reads the game and how he debriefs. I think there's something really strong in the way he goes about it. It's a really good insight. Uh, and I guess turning your attention now to the this Sri Lankan series and I guess speaking of unknowns a little bit, the, the Sri Lankan team that, that have come out here, they're, they're probably not guys that um, you know most cricket fans are, are kind of keenly aware of, but they do have some some pretty good players in there. Have you started your, your research? Have you been watching Vision? Yeah, our analyst does a great job here. He always sends through everything pre-series. So, um, yeah, I've, I, in between driving shifts today and last week, I've definitely caught up on it. But there's a few from their last tour, I think, in 2019 um, when they came out and we played three T20s against them. And we obviously played them at the World Cup just gone as well. So um, there's enough there to know. Um, but there's also some unknown, as you said, and that's always really dangerous in this game because... A lot of um, preparation and, and team selection is built off matchups and analysis and and those kind of things. So if those things aren't available, then that can become a really dangerous matchup. So um, no doubt they're keen to do well. There's another World Cup coming up on Australian soil in the not-too-distant future. So it's a really good opportunity for those guys, as it is for, for our guys who they probably don't have as much research on um, in terms of guys who haven't played a lot in the last couple of years. So it's going to be a, a hot series. And one that I know our group's looking forward to because it's good to get back together with, with those boys who are at the World Cup. The man that you shared a car with on the way down, I, I know is a very competitive character. Sri Lanka also have a leg spinner who's pretty good. I think he's ranked number one in the world, Wanindu Hasaranga. Is there a you know a bit of a, a point of pride there for, for Zamps to be the best leg spinner in this series? Well, if you ask him if he is, I reckon he'll tell you he is. But um, yeah, no doubt he's, he's one of the stars of their team. He's kind of taken the the world game by storm in the last the past 12 months picked up an IPL deal I think on the back of Zamps pulling out which is a funny one as well that's kind of a side story to it all but um yeah quality performer he definitely bats a bit better than Zamps as well so 
he's got that up his sleeve. Um, but yeah, in terms of Zamps, he always has his little battles, and especially in the leg spinning and spinning department, I'm sure he'll be. He's almost like Michael Jordan in the in the last dance when he was always looking for some kind of motivation to like beat someone. That's kind of what he's like. So um, no doubt he'll be trying to outbowl him. But yeah, Hasarang is such a huge player for them. So no doubt he'll he'll uh, have a big series. But I reckon our guys will be pretty keen to take him down. So, so he's the kind of guy who who like Jordan needs to to make up a rivalry. Or I can't remember what the, who the guy off the the Jordan doco that he just conflated that story that that just didn't exist about this guy sledging him or whatever. Like is Amps that kind of character? No, I'd say he has a long memory. So if something if someone has said something about him in the past or yeah when he wasn't bowling as well, if they've yeah he'll remember and he'll use that as motivation to to um to prove them wrong or to do really well he's he's incredible and i learn more about it every day like i've known i've known better than most but i still surprises me how much he remembers he's because cricketers we're pretty we're pretty shallow we don't well some of us don't think a lot but he just i think he writes a lot of stuff down he says he keeps receipts so if you say something about zance and he be ready for it to come back up because uh yeah, yeah, I think he writes it all down and keeps the receipt. Well, that was the the famous one now after the after the World Cup, wasn't there? Where I think he used that that exact word, keeping the receipts. Well, yeah, I know Tom Brady. He's copying Tom Brady. There, I know Tom Brady when he won the Super Bowl last year, put out a little clip, and it was all the sports commentators saying he was washed and you know he was done. He won the Super Bowl, so I think Zamps off the back of that came out and and copied it but look to be honest we understand people in the media have to you know say things that's part of their job so yeah some of us don't take it as uh or take it a bit more lightly than what zamps does his notebook must be full of things i think no it's good uh, whatever gets you motivated um and in terms of motivation for yourself kane i, I mean i feel like we we kind of have this conversation before every one of these series where you know, that you've got your Cummins and your Hazelwoods and your Starks in the team and we're always asking you, you know, how do you kind of grab your opportunity behind the big quicks? Is it, you know, is it the same mindset you've brought into just about every uh, every one of these series over the last few years? Yeah, they're not going away. They're, <laughs> they're still around. So, um, yeah, look, obviously at the World Cup, um, Josh coming in doing such a good job has changed that kind of... Um, well, first of all, I mean, the team set up changed from five bowlers to four. So that always was going to mean one of us missed out. And it was, well, Ash and myself um, coming into that. So, yeah, look, Josh and those other two guys picked themselves now. So if there's an opportunity that presents itself in this series, if they decide to rest them or, or something like that, then it's all about being ready to take the opportunity. But absolutely no doubt, come game one, they'll they'll be given the first opportunity. And... I don't know how the team will stack back up if it will be five bowlers or not, but um, yeah, um, it'd be pretty safe to bet that those three are in the team. So for me, it's always been, and I've said it probably for five or six years, but being trying to be that next guy in. Jai's, Jai Richardson's back in the squad as well. So there's plenty of options um, to spin. So yeah, but those guys aren't going away. They're, they're around. They're going to be for a long time yet. So it's kind of getting used to that, I guess. And you feel like you're in a pretty good place with your bowling. You're coming off. Obviously, it wasn't um, the campaign you would have wanted with the Renegades, but but personally, you you feel like you're, you're bowling okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I am. The Big Bash was a. Oh, to be honest, I can't really remember it. A lot of it, to be honest. Um, it just the happened. Last few weeks. <laughs> well, no, yeah, it was a weird one. I think once COVID really ravaged it, it took the air out of the competition a little bit. So. 
I wasn't putting a whole lot of time into preparation and uh, not preparation. I was preparing my body and, and stuff like that. But in terms of planning, it, it just didn't feel the same as a normal BBL. So I was kind of just turn up to the game and try and do your best. So I felt like I bowled, um, I bowled well, but yeah, on, on the back of kind of how the team went and just kind of how the competition was feeling at that point. Um, yeah. I've kind of, kind of deleted that from the memory a little bit. So um, it's all, and it's always different when you're around this team. The the intensity goes up a, a notch, especially at training in preparation for the series. So we'll see tomorrow when I jump out and have a bowl. But um, yeah, I feel like if I if I get picked, I know my game really well now, and I know my what I do well and kind of what role I would play. So that's always half the battle as a as a bowler in T20 cricket. What was the the tough part about the BBL cane? Was it kind of the reintroduction of the bubble? Was it the the fear that you you might get COVID? I know your your family was was around for for a little bit. Like did that kind of yeah? What was the what was the thing that kind of that made it tough? Yeah, I think definitely those two things were the main thing. And I think once um, I think once kind of everyone, especially who you know, we all know each other so well. But once guys have started going down daily, it's mm. like all right, well. It's only a matter of time now, and you start really you worry and think about those things more than than what you're doing, and especially being away from home, like um, you just don't want to be stuck somewhere for for that week. Like you want to be amongst your family, or you want to be at home. So I reckon a lot of guys. I know Wadey had a break through the BBL for that reason. I think his family had been exposed, so he wanted to get home and be there to support them. So there's so many other factors that are going into it, other than just worrying about yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think that and then just the narrative around it was when those guys come out and we'll, I know why we had to field those teams to keep the competition going. But as a competitor, again, you want to play against the best teams. And I remember the derby we played against the Stars where they had kind of top-up players. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like BBL cricket, this product that for 10 years has been this amazing thing. It didn't feel the same. So I understood why they did it, but it just took the air out of the competition, as I said. And Basically, from that moment on, it was preservation mode, just trying not to get to get taken down. So that's kind of why I left early because our team at that stage was starting to get cases, and then but having my family there in a small hotel room wasn't ideal. So got out once we couldn't make the finals, and the Renegades are really supportive, just to go home for a couple of weeks and. I had plenty of packing up to do as well, so it worked out okay. I think that's pretty understandable, Kane. And um, I guess the, the BBL have been pretty honest about the challenges they faced this season, and, and that you know things might be up in the air to, to change for for next season. Is there one thing that you think could um, you know that could make the competition a lot better when you when you think about next season? Yeah, well, I think we've had time to kind of reflect, and I know the ACA are sending out surveys now, so it's really important the players actually respond and I think everyone every player has an opinion and um, as I said the year just gone I understand why they kept the competition going and as you said they did a really good job in doing that because it could have easily been halted and that probably wouldn't have done anyone any good but I think just with the way things are and we obviously don't we can't um, look forward you know to next BBL to know what the circumstances are going to be but I feel like there's a little bit of fatigue in terms of how long the competition's going for so um, we need we need to make it where people are, are really attracted to come watch games, watch games on TV every night, but not make it so it's just oversaturated. Um, and I think in hand in hand with that, we need the best players playing. So if we can get our Australian test players in, it's a tough one to do because that's our you know our big one. But if we can find a way to have them 
playing for their teams or, you know, we'd have a few of them at the Renegades for sure. But if we can find a way to get them in, I think that's going to make the product a whole lot better. Because you look at like the IPL, imagine the Indian test team being away during the IPL. It just, it wouldn't make any sense. So if we can find a way to maybe change the dates of the BBL, get those guys back from test cricket and get them playing, I think that's going to make the competition kind of what it was for those first however many years and you know everyone loves the bbl they want it to do really well so that's the the good thing coming out of this that people are passionate about it so hopefully we get the answer we're looking for well i'm glad you uh you brought up the ipl Kane, because uh a little birdie told me that um there's a big auction coming up this week some are even calling it a a mega auction um well yeah i, I know it's a it's an awkward time isn't it because it's um you know kind of smack bang in the middle of uh, the start of this series where you kind of have one eye um, on your phone. I think Saturday is, is when it gets underway. Well, yeah, I think it seems to happen every year. We're kind of in a series or together. So it's always quite funny um, on the back of what happens being around the guys. Like I remember last year in quarantine in New Zealand when Jai and Riley Meredith got picked up for huge money. It's just so funny seeing their reaction the next day because you know they haven't slept. They've been awake the whole night just staring at the ceiling, just thinking, oh, my God. Um, yeah, and it's always good in the lead-up because, well, Davey Warner's not around this year in this squad. Well, not around at the moment, but he's always seems to know. He seems to know where everyone's going, what they're going for. It's like he has intel from every franchise. So, unfortunately, he's not around at the moment to crystal ball everything. But um, yeah, I'm sure some guys will be keeping an eye on it. It's it's a lottery to be honest. The IPO. It's um, it, a lot of things depending. If if you're not a superstar player like myself, it it does to depend on where you come out in the auction it depends on what the needs of teams are and um that kind of flows into it so i won't pay too much attention it's also my birthday that day so i'll uh i'll no doubt be tied up with other things so we'll uh we'll see what happens but i'm predicting a lot of happy boys especially in this australian team right birthday saturday the first day of the auction yeah the 12th yeah i think yeah 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 you think yeah, so. birthday's the 12th or you think the first day of the auction? Because I know the first no, day of the auction. Well, the auction. <laughs> yeah, it must be the same day because that's definitely my birthday. Very good. Well, I hope you have a, um, I hope you have a good uh, birthday present. But before then, there is a, uh, a quick series in Pakistan, I suppose, that, um, that kind of overlaps, I think, with, with the start of it. I mean, have you, first of all, have you kind of given any thought to that Pakistan you know, series and, and the security um, ramifications of you potentially going Kane and and um yeah would, would playing for Australia you know take precedence if if so um I know we've yeah we've had a lot of phone link ups and zoom meetings um in the past couple of weeks uh it's probably I haven't thought that much about it to be honest I'm kind of I throughout this whole COVID experience I've kind of never looked beyond kind of what we're doing now um because of what I said before things can change. You could get taken down and be out for a week and all of a sudden that changes how your next week looks. So, um, yeah, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. The guys have spoken a little bit about it um, just now when we were catching up, but I think everyone's really excited to go because I think it's a place well, no one's really been to and certainly haven't been there to play cricket unless... I remember I actually went mm, mm. in 2008, I think, on an under-19s tour, which was one of the last kind of tours to go. So... Um, and there was a few like Josh Hazelwood was on that. Um, Starkey was on that. So there's a few that have been, but for the majority, it's not a place they've been to. So I'm sure it's kind of, you look at your international bucket list, it's a place to tick off and go play, especially test cricket. It'd be pretty special. So 
yeah, I'm sure the guys are all on board and, and see I've done a really good job. And what, what are your memories from, from that tour? I did want to ask you about it before I, before I let you go. Uh, we got five nailed. I didn't take a wicket. Josh took one and Starkey took two. So between us, we t- the big three quicks, Camo wasn't around then, thankfully. But um, we took three wickets between us and I contributed none. So I remember, um, I think it's Ahmed Shazad. He played, I'm not sure he plays for Pakistan now, but he was playing then. And it was like on the Don Bradman. We couldn't get him out. He must have been 30. Like he was way too strong, way too good. We couldn't get him out. It was, there should have been a mercy rule. So not great memories, but um, yeah, I remember uh, we went, I think we went quite north as well. So it was really off kind of the, the, the map in terms of where international cricket was played. But as a kid, that was my first trip overseas. So it was pretty cool to, to experience, especially as an Australian team. Well, fingers crossed we, uh, we might get to see you over there and, um, and w- wishing you the best of luck, I suppose, in the, uh, the five-match T20 series against Sri Lanka from Friday, Kane. Thanks for joining the Unplayable Podcast, mate. Always a pleasure to be back on. I think, I think you've got first covered, Louis.